On the Crosstalk on WIZM, I'm Mike Hayes. Lots to talk about, so let me bring our guest, Anthony Tregoski, political science uh, professor at the University of Wisconsin La Crosse. And thank you, Anthony, for talking with us this morning. I, is it raining at your house, by the way? Just uh, separate. It, non- it, it is, Mike. I got, got all that sun yesterday and over the weekend got a little spoiled, I think. Yeah, well, welcome to Monday, my friend. Welcome to Monday. Let me yeah. start. Should Washington, D.C. become the 51st state? Well, that is the debate. That is the big question, Mike. I mean, that was the vote in the House of Representatives on Friday. And first of all, I would note that it is dead as far as its prospects in the Senate and its chances of being signed by President Trump. So uh, people should not be expecting D.C. to become a state anytime soon, but it at least is being discussed and debated. And you're seeing it fall along very uh, stark party lines. Now the Democrats are very united in favor of D.C. becoming the 51st state, while Republicans remain quite united in opposition. So this becomes yet another partisan battle, Mike. Well, and I'm curious, is it simply a a, a vote total, vote volume Argument Democrats like the idea because Washington, D.C. is mostly Democrats, or is there something else uh, in their arsenal in favor of this yes vote? Well, you know, Mike, there have been attempts on both sides to offer principled arguments as far as, well, this is the historical or constitutional or legal reasoning why D.C. should or should not be a state. But I think all of that is window dressing for the partisan dynamics of D.C. becoming a state, because if Washington, D.C. were to become a state, it would be the most Democratic-leaning uh, state in the country. Now, what would that mean in Congress? Well, it would mean an additional Democrat in the House of Representatives, but more importantly, it would mean two additional Democrats in the Senate, which would expand from 100 members to 102 members. And so I think that there's no need to really overcomplicate matters by looking at, well, the historical reason for this, the legal reason for that. Uh, You know, I think that's all, again, window dressing for the fact that Frankly, this would advantage Democrats and disadvantage Republicans. And I think that a lot of the debate in Washington, when you look at how Democrats and Republicans have been talking about this, I think a lot of the debate in Washington has been kind of honest about that, that the Democrats want this because it would be to their advantage. The Republicans don't want this because it would harm them. It really does, I think, come down to partisanship, Mike. All right. So we don't have to talk about this anymore until Democrats are in control of everything in D.C., then it might, including the presidency, then it might come back to the table. In the meantime, that's, not, not going to happen. That's the only, yeah, Mike, that's the only possibility. Um, Republicans are firmly against this. I was looking actually at the history of this debate, and when you look at the history of this debate going back into the 90s, which was the last time this was voted on in Congress, the Republicans were also completely unified in opposition to D.C. statehood, and that hasn't changed. What has changed is that the Democratic Party has become unified in support of this, as opposed to the divisions that existed in the party in the years past. Anthony Trigoski, my guest on the Crosstalk on WIZM. All right, l- let me ask you this. Uh, last week I filled in for 
Rick Solom, uh, and one of his listeners thinks that we are currently in the precursor to a civil war. What do you think? Well, Mike, I don't think talk of a civil war is something to be done casually or something to be done lightly. You know, you think about the history of the civil war and over 600,000 lives were lost in the American Civil War in a span of just four years. So it was an extraordinarily bloody conflict. Now, I, I will grant that the country is extraordinarily divided. And you could argue that the divisions are as stark as they have been since the Civil War. But that was such a dark chapter in American history that I just hope that we never have to even think about repeating something like that again, uh, while acknowledging that the country is extraordinarily divided and hopefully can work through those divisions in a peaceful way and through the, uh, through the governing process that we have in place under the Constitution. Does it get more divided every day as we see uh, statues being taken down and flags being changed and so much uh, you know, you you can't even you can't even have pancake syrup in your refrigerator without being a racist. Mike, the thing about these issues is that they really tap into people's emotions, and I think that they really make people feel angry, and they really fire people up in a way that maybe isn't the case for tax policy or isn't the case for, you know, should education funding be raised 4% or 5%. The issues of the day and the issues that get emphasized really try to appeal to people's emotions, really try to make them angry, and ultimately really try to get them to turn out and vote. Uh, and so I, I would be, I, I'm, I'm, you know, just thinking about how the issues of the day just really seem to try to fire people up on a visceral level. Well, I, and I suppose then it's a matter of continue to watch the situation if it gets worse or if it can, you know, is there a tipping point? Well, keep that in mind. Let's let's continue this conversation tomorrow because I know that your answer will be longer than the few seconds I have. Uh, civil war and what is uh, what and I don't want to do it lightly either, but uh, the divide continues over what seems to be many of the same issues uh, as uh, in the past. Not necessarily directly slavery, but the mention of it, the recognition of it, the conversation or the teaching of it, uh, and that scares me. Anthony Chergosky, we'll talk again tomorrow.